Middle school involves some really tough, confusing years for today's youth. Many parents are caught off guard by the changes in their children when they begin the transition out of childhood and into adolescence. Did you ever wonder what goes on in the mind of a middle schooler? Join us today as I interview Cynthia Tobias, the author of Middle School, The Inside Story. We'll learn what kids tell her but don't always tell you. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. I want to welcome Cynthia Tobias. She's the founder, manager, and CEO of Apple Street, our applied learning styles. Thank you so much for joining me today, Cynthia. Well, it's great to be here, Kay. Thanks. All right. Well, I enjoyed reading your book, and I want to just ask you, uh, why are the middle school years so challenging for kids and parents alike? Yeah, I, I think it's probably been that way since time began, but I, I think it seems increasingly so. I think one of the things that makes middle school challenging is puberty, obviously, um, and, and that's starting earlier than ever. In fact, we consider the middle school range of kids now to be between the ages of 10 and 14. And some parents are thinking, ah, 10, I'm almost around the corner for that. And it's just such a huge time of growth, both physically and mentally and especially emotionally, and, and so formative in, in that pre-adolescent, just about teenager stage. And, and it's just more critical than ever that we get a real handle on how to help them through these real turbulent years challenging even for the best of us. You bet. So how can parents improve conversations with their middle schoolers? Well, you know, one, one of the things I really enjoyed about spending the last couple of years with middle schoolers and my co-author, Sue Acuna, she's a middle school teacher, and we spent a lot of time with her kids as well as, as others in other states. But um, one of the things that was really evident is what we call the, the bubble. And the bubble is where the middle schooler only listens to whatever has to do directly with them. You know, for example, if you're talking about you're talk, 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 talk along, and then all of a sudden you get down to, and so that's why you're going to need to leave early today. And they're going, what, what, what? (laughs) They didn't listen to anything you said until you said you or something that had to do with you. And it's that bubble effect that if you're going to really communicate with your middle schooler, in practical terms, you're better off right away starting with the part that has to do with them. Listen, we've got a change in schedule for you tonight, and here it is, mm-hmm. so that suddenly they tune in. Otherwise, it, it's just a lot of talk. And, and so if, if parents can remember that, no matter how exasperating it is, you will get so much better results if you start with the part that belongs to them. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the other thing that's real key with middle schoolers especially, with everybody really, but with middle schoolers especially, is the whole empathy, um, you know, the actually being listened to part. A lot of times we're frustrated with our kids for interrupting us constantly, but it turns out really, especially with middle schoolers, <clears throat> we tend to interrupt them quite a bit too because they don't really know how to articulate their thoughts that well. They aren't really forming their thoughts, and so we're going, yeah, yeah, okay, fine, fine, just just go and just do this and just do that. And and they really, the kids that talked to us, they said, well, we just don't really feel like our parents really want to listen to us because they barely hear us as we start talking, and then they interrupt and they go on and do what they want to anyway. So I think in really paying attention to them and listening and being a little bit patient to figure out what they're trying to tell us, it goes a long way in modeling also for how we want them 
to listen to us. You bet. You bet. I think that's so true. So true. Uh, we always expect them to hear us, but we do exactly the same thing back to them. And right. appreciate that. So what are some of the unwritten rules of middle schoolers uh, that we want to try to follow? Well, it's, the unwritten rules really have to do with them discovering things. And I, I know that you probably, uh, like me, you remember a few of those 7th and 8th grade years especially when you're, you go in and you're the very new, it's all new, you're no longer an elementary kid, all of a sudden you go into junior high or middle school and you don't know what you're really supposed to do. You, you understand that there's a whole new culture here, there's a whole new way of life and a new way of doing things in school now because you see bigger kids and you know, but you have no idea what it is. I mean, you, you know what the rules are for the teachers and all that, but these unwritten rules like where are you supposed to sit and you know, who are the cool kids and, and how are you supposed to actually treat them and should, you know, what makes you look too geeky? What what makes you look too uncool? And, and nobody really is there to explain to you, this is how you keep from embarrassing yourself. Mm-hmm. Because one of the biggest fears of a middle schooler, bar none, is looking stupid um, and being embarrassed. And it happens so easily. So it's, it's like, if as adults, it's like us, you know, going into a new city and we have no map, we have no GPS, we have no idea of, of how anything operates, and we just kind of have to sense as we go what to do. And here, here these kids are. They're, you know, 10, 11, 12. They're not practiced at it, and it's, it's very uncomfortable for them. Yeah, I can imagine. It really is. How can parents learn to start conversations instead of confrontations with their middle schooler? Well, you know, again, it goes back to, to empathy. When, when you have a middle schooler that comes home and says, I can't believe it, I don't like this teacher and I've got way too home, much homework and, and I can't even believe that we had to do this and this and that, our, our first instinct sometimes is to say, well, I guess you better get started and you better just sit down at the table and, you know, you shouldn't complain too much about your teachers because, you know, and, and that's not what they want to hear. That's not what all of a sudden things blow up. Um, instead, I mean, you, you wouldn't want your husband to say, well, to, quick, to say that to you, you know, I've had a bad day at work and everything went wrong. Well, you better sit down and figure out how to, how to get over it. We, we want to have empathy and say, oh, wow, that's really tough. What a, that is a tough day. Um, start with that. Um, and so at least they feel like you've listened and then say, what, um, where, where would you like to start tonight on, on getting the homework done? What would help you get that finished? So in other words, we're not saying, oh, you poor thing, you don't have to do the homework, but we are saying, you know, I, I get it that it's pretty overwhelming for you. What do you think would help? Um, and, and keeping your voice calm and not getting... One of the things that the middle schoolers told us over and over was, well, I don't want to say this to my mom and dad because they'll just mm-hmm. freak out. Mm-hmm. And, and that was their big, big thing about it. If I talk to them about this or that, they just go off on me and they just freak out. And, and freaking out is anytime you raise your voice at all, because oh. <laughs> parents would say, I am not freaking out for heaven's sake. Yeah. Well, it sounded like it to the middle schooler because you didn't stay calm and you right away jumped in and you right away started to solve their problem or you started to lecture them. And we, we found that it goes so much further if you can at least start with a little bit of empathy and staying calm and the whole situation calms down pretty quickly. Uh, middle schoolers, just like young children, hate to be hollered at, don't they? They do. <laughs> I don't like it either. No, I don't think anybody does. Uh, but it seems like the home is the most difficult place to to live our faith and to do what we're supposed to do. Right. Um, yeah. So conversations 
instead of confrontation. Uh, I think that's big, especially when they're middle schoolers. What advice do you have for managing and supervising the use of electronics, entertainment, and social media? Such a big issue today. It is a big deal. And and one of the things, you know, just recently the, the research that came out about how much more sleep teenagers need and how how they're not getting it and school should start later and some other things. And one of the biggest problems um, in getting enough sleep and getting enough rest is kids who take their, if they have a cell phone, they take it to bed with mm-hmm. them. And we're finding over and over and over again that kids will text each other all night long or they'll They'll hear notifications, and one of the one of the big things that we recommend for parents, if you have your, if you let your middle schooler have a cell phone, or a tablet, or or any any electronics at night, they should be charged in a different place, not mm-hmm. in their bedroom. They shouldn't stay with them all night. The best thing to do is just ha- you know charge their phone in your room, or if everybody puts all their electronics in the same place to charge it, but nobody has it in their bedroom. Um, with with uh, respect to social media, if they're on Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram, as as parents, you really need to know what those things are, and you need to check them out. You you never want to say, oh, I don't even know what that's all about. It's just beyond me. Don't let them have anything that you don't understand how it works, mm-hmm. so that you understand what they're doing. You don't have to be able to use it necessarily, but you have to know how it's used. And then and then Sue and I both we had different um, positions on passwords. For my boys, it was, you know, if they were on Facebook, it's not that I had to have their password per se, but I had to be one of their Facebook friends. Mm -hmm. I had to be able to see all their Mm -hmm. posts. And at any time I asked them, they had to be able to show me any friend they had on there and how they met them and who they are. You just want to keep constantly monitoring and adjusting. You, You People say, well, you know, they should have their privacy. Uh, no, not at 12 and 13. You shouldn't be nearly as concerned with privacy mm-hmm. as you are with safety. And so there are some just common sense things. And again, it's, it's not that you're trying to police them. You want to talk to them about it, too, and say, you understand why I'm concerned about this, and do you understand what we're trying to accomplish here? Mm-hmm. So it's, it is a whole jungle out there, but it yes. is really worth sticking with it and, and monitoring it. And Family Shield has done several programs uh, with authors on that topic for the entire time. And I think next week, one of our programs is also going to deal with that in a little more depth. But I really liked, Cynthia, that you mentioned uh, charging the phone and taking that cell phone away at night. But you're saying all of the uh, electronic devices. I thought that was an excellent would, and, excellent and you know the other thing, thing Kay, is is of course and I'm sure other other experts say the same thing, but your your child should not be uh, working on a computer in their bedroom. Right. And if they're using the computer for homework or whatever it is, it should always be out in the open in a in a public family place. So that way you can make sure um, that because there are predators oh, there out there are. and a lot of times Absolutely. your kids yeah, your kids aren't trying to get to the wrong place but the wrong place finds them. So they need to be out where you can kind of, as you pass by, you can take a look at what's going on. You bet, you bet. So let's talk about discipline for the middle schoolers as it compares to a five-year-old. There is a difference, and sometimes parents don't get that. Tell us what you recommend. Well, one one of the big things we talk about is the whole idea of the role of parenting is changing. And, you know, your kids always need you. They always will. But they need you in different ways throughout their developmental stages. Middle schoolers need you just almost. I found with my boys, they needed me more in middle school in some ways than they needed me in kindergarten. But they needed me in a whole different way. 
So I, I was no longer the manager, the director, the, you know, was a five-year-old, I can direct everything. But with a middle schooler, I have to become a little bit more of a consultant, which means I'm still holding them accountable, but I'm kind of guiding them now. I'm sort of letting them test their wings with independence. So instead of saying, you need to get in there and you need to take a shower right now, um, I, I need to be a consultant and I need to say, um, have you thought about um, you're becoming an adult now and so you're going to have to deal with some adult smells. Is it, has it ever, have you ever thought about what an adult smells like and how you kind of control that? <laughs> um, or, you know, and the discipline, uh, on the discipline angle, if you don't have to have as much discipline if as you go you're kind of guiding and, and talking and dealing with things as they happen. But when it comes to the discipline itself, uh, what we found was a lot of parents are afraid to discipline too much. Oh, I can't take her phone away. She just gets so mad. And what if I do this? And one of the things, again, we heard like a clarion call throughout the middle schoolers, uh, they expect their parents to stay firm, but not crazy, you know, not, not yelling. or but, but they wanted their parents to have the boundaries, to have reasons for the boundaries, and to keep those in place so that they can understand what it is they're supposed to do. And, and we need to remember as we're disciplining them and as we're talking to them and dealing with them, we're modeling for them how an adult behaves, how an adult acts. And it may not seem to it, to you like it sometimes, but your child is constantly watching your example to figure out, oh, this is how I'm supposed to become, and this is how I'm going to be an adult. This is what it looks like, and this is what I should act like if I want to be more independent and adult-like, which they're beginning to think about. Absolutely. Good. I have a few announcements I want to make. Uh, One, I want to let our listeners know that we're going to give away three of Cynthia's books, Middle School, The Inside Story, through a drawing. You can call our response center, 1-877-317-4326, and uh, give our representative your complete name and address, because those will be mailed out to those that receive those books. And you can also uh, email us through our website, www.familyshieldministries.com. Each week, we offer a booklet or resource to our listeners. This week, we're offering practical parenting. And again, to receive the booklet at no charge, call the Response Center, 877-317-317. Four three two six. If you're a Thrivent financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to the Thrivent website at www.thrivent.com, then slash Thrivent Choice, or call them one eight hundred eight four seven four eight three six. For those that are doing that on a regular basis, you do need to re-sign up at least once a year. 2014 is Family Shield's 20th anniversary. Mark your calendar now and plan to attend our October 18th Families Trust Him Benefit Dinner at Concordia Lutheran Church in Kirkwood, Missouri. Executive Chef Chris Dessens will prepare the Greek cuisine with the help of students from the St. Louis School of Culinary Arts at Hickey College. To learn more, our register Call us, 314-772-6070, or again, go to our website, www.familyshieldministries.com. Again, don't forget, we're going to give away three of Cynthia's books through a drawing, Middle School, The Inside Story. That's what we're talking about today. Again, my guest is Cynthia Tobias, and uh, we have been talking about discipline for middle schoolers. Do you have anything else to share about that, Cynthia? 
Well, uh, not specifically discipline, but I did want to mention, too, that at CynthiaTobias.com under resources, we have some PDFs and some mm. some resources that parents can print out right away and, and uh, get little excerpts or get some ideas and some tips. Go We've got the um, no-no list, which is, is where we go through a whole list of things that help you understand what to avoid in order to have good communication. And so we've, we've got that on there that uh, anybody can just go on there and pull it off. Wonderful. And you have written many books. I saw a couple, The Way We Live, Every Child Can Succeed. Uh, and uh, I think I, I read 11 books, so I'm sure you have lots of articles as well. So uh, it, are right. some of those books also on that website so they can find out more? Yeah, absolutely. The Way They Learn was the very beginning kind of cornerstone book, continues to be a good framework for helping parents understand the different learning strengths of their kids. And then uh, we mentioned that a little bit in the middle school, the inside story, as well as, of course, you can't make me, but I can be persuaded, which talks about the strong-willed child, which at the middle school years really gets exaggerated sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and I, I usually see that strong-willed child at the five- or six-year-old level, maybe even a little younger or a little older. But I guess you're right. If they start out as a strong-willed child, they don't stop, do they? No, in fact, we never outgrow it. I don't know about you, Kay, but I think I still have my strong will. Ah, okay. <laughs> Pretty sure about that. My husband would probably verify that. He would, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we well, learn to use it better as we go. Great. Well, um, now, your book also talks about how we pass on values and faith to our middle schooler. And um, tell us a little bit about that and some of the challenges that Christian parents might face at that age with their children. You know, this this section, when we talked to the kids themselves, it was, it was kind of poignant for me. Their stories, their doubts, um, they were really honest and transparent with us and, because most of these kids that we talked to, especially for this chapter, they were attending Christian school and their parents were Christians and had been all their lives. But but these, these 12 and 13-year-olds were saying, I, I can't really ask my parents about this, but I'm trying to figure out why why do we? go to this church, and, and how do we know that God is real, and what, and, and they they expressed the fact that, what if, I can't really admit to my parents that I have doubts, I, sh- I really shouldn't have doubts, should I? And they're trying to look for ways to personalize their faith, and, you know, especially when we talk to, to youth leaders in, in the church, they we really need to be reaching out to these kids in a, in, in a, in a transparent way and in an empathetic way, because they're afraid that if they say anything about it, that their parents might think, well, maybe they're going to think I'm a rebel and they're going to think I'm not going to, I don't believe at all anymore. But they do need to be able to formulate their own ideas about their faith. And one thing that kind of, I think, would surprise people is the kids were were pretty clear on the fact that they want to know what their parents' spiritual beliefs and values are. Whether or not they end up buying into it, or whether they walk away from it for a while is another issue, but they don't ever want their parents to feel like they can't um, they can't articulate that because they need to know what what do you believe. And again, they're watching you. How do you live out your faith um, when you when you run into trouble? How do you turn to God for it, or do you? Because they take great notes, mental notes, all the time. You think they're not listening, but they're absorbing. Yes, they are everything, and so especially when it comes to the faith and values, it becomes so critical as parents for us to model and to really think about what we want them to be and and how we want our Christian witness to come across. Um, Before we even think about how it comes across to the world, we really need to think how it comes across to our own children. 
You bet. And I think, too, uh, we do a lot on, on faith formation in children and families that uh, living in the home is the most difficult place to, to live our faith and that we are sinners. We will not do it right all the time. And so, you know, confessing your sin to one another is a Bible verse. I think it's a great family Bible verse to learn how to say, I really was out of line today and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And not just say I'm sorry, but ask them to, to respond. And that that's how we help them learn that we don't always do it right as parents, as children. We, right. we break God's laws even though we're striving and trying not to. I think that's a good way to help uh, pass on our faith, to help them see that we're real. We know we don't do it right all the time. Right, and your relationship with them will be even stronger when you occasionally ask for a do-over. They they understand that. You say, oh, I think I need a do-over. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't apologize for what I just asked you to do, but I think uh, I shouldn't have asked you to do it that way, and so I need a do-over. Let's start over. And and then, again, that shows them, um, you know, humility on your part, but that also tells them this is how you do it. This this is what you need to do when you find out you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good. Now, we're not just talking about faith in Christ, but we're also talking about values. Just make a few comments related to how we teach our middle school children the values that we hold dear. I love how Sue, my co-author, she, she, she's, she really works with her kids. She still teaches eighth grade uh, at Concordia Lutheran School in Tacoma. She does a great job with that, those kids. And <clears throat> they actually have lists of, you know, some, things, some manners that you insist on. Um, and, and basic manners that should be taught. And we, we also have a list of chores that middle schoolers should be doing. That For this age level, um, basic chores that can definitely be done, and then some advanced chores as they get a little better, and that you need to expect them to have um, some responsibility, and you need to expect them to have their behavior reflect um, values, the respect and the honor that you give to others, um, how you treat people. And remember, it's, it's difficult to tell parents, but you need to remember that they don't automatically know that. And and as you're practicing it, even as you're practicing manners, you might just say, you notice this is what we need to do for this or that. I mean, you need to point it out mm-hmm. for them so mm-hmm. that they realize this is what's expected of me. And, and as a family, this is what we believe in value and value and we strive for. Good. Those are great, great points, and there's so much more in your book. It's just got so many good uh, uh, comments, stories. I, I have so enjoyed reading through it, even though it's been many years since I had a middle schooler. What are some of the warning signs that a middle schooler might be dealing with some more serious issues? Well, you know, it, it, it used to be that you didn't have to worry about some of the, you know, the drugs or the depression and some of the things um, when kids were this young, but unfortunately with our culture the way it is, we do have to keep an eye out for for real drastic changes in behavior. There, There's a certain amount of, of behavioral change, even some drastic behavioral change that will happen because of the physiological and, and emotional development, and we do talk about that and give you some ideas. But, but for example, if, if you notice a drastic change in your middle schooler, um, a long time that they want to just spend in their room and not come out, um, getting a whole new set of friends that you don't even know them or their family, or a real drastic change in their grades or their eating habits or their behavior habits. 
um, you want to keep an eye on that. You want to know your child well enough to recognize, you know, I can see a little bit of uh, difference with this, but this is pretty drastic. And and talk to either your pediatrician, perhaps a youth leader, somebody that else that spends a lot of time with them, or a friend's parents, or their teacher at school. You just want to keep your radar on, you know, your parent radar. When something tells you instinctively, I just don't think it's quite right. That's the biggest red flag of all, that you trust your parental instincts to say, just going to make sure that we're not, that, that something's not going on here. We give a few um, tips for recognizing whether or not they might be thinking about drug use mm. or, or excessive depression. Hopefully, um, that's not much of an issue, but we do give a couple different um, resources, especially through Focus on the Family, that can help help parents recognize and know where to turn for counselors or referrals or some more information for that. Wonderful. That's great. Um, How can parents better prepare their elementary school children for middle school? (laughs) I I think talking about it. um, I think especially when the elementary child gets to where next year is going to be middle school, for instance, maybe they're going into sixth grade or fifth grade or maybe they're going into junior high. Uh, You need to start preparing them, you know, practice, go visit, um, we have a little section in the school part of the book where it really is good to do a dry run through a practice run through mm-hmm. school before they ever have to actually go there and figure out sort of what it feels like and how it's a little bit overwhelming. Get them used to the whole idea of how much their life is going to change because otherwise they get hit with so many things at once that it just becomes too overwhelming. That's great. And we have less than two minutes left. How can parents get teachers on their child's team? Again, it's communication. I'm going to give some tips. In fact, in my book, Every Child Can Succeed, there's a whole chapter on, on how to talk to your child's teacher. And I believe on the, on the website, on the CynthiaTobias.com, I believe there's a list up there also um, that, that they can pull off for tips on how to talk to your child's teacher. Just Just practical tips like, you know, emailing them or... Uh, being sure to contact them in the good times, not just the bad times. And, again, talking to them with the same four words as much as possible, what can I do? Mm-hmm. You know, I, Mike is really struggling with, with this new thing and the way that everybody teaches differently. I wonder what can I do to help him understand so that you as a parent are not just complaining to the teacher or saying you need to change, but you're saying, my child and I, we need to figure out how to adjust. Can you as a teacher tell me what should I be doing? And that really starts a partnership. Great, great. Again, my guest has been Cynthia (laughs) Tobias, the book Middle School, The Inside Story. Uh, This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Learn more at www.familyshieldministries.com. Don't forget that we're giving away several of her books through a drawing. This is Kay Meyer. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.